This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Welcome to Save a Pooch on Pet Life Radio. Thank you for listening in today. I am Beverly Isla, your host. I am excited for today's episode because it hits the heart of our soul. It's about our awakening journey and how it affects the relationship between us and our canines. In particular, how that process can significantly reduce the number of shelter dog returns. So this connection between canine parent and the dog has way more depth to it than we may think. And it's actually multidimensional. And when we approach it with those lens, that relationship can flourish beyond what you can imagine. So today's guest is Michael Overly. He is an energy healer, canine partner and energy coach, author, and lifelong dog fanatic. He also has multiple rescue dogs. Yay! And his business is actually very interesting, which we will touch upon as well. So when we get back from these messages, we will hear from Michael Overly, founder of DogsAndMen.com. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There is no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Odyssey, TuneIn, Stitcher, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Save a Pooch. We are talking with energy healer, canine partnered energy coach, and author Michael Overly. Thank you for talking with me today, Michael. Absolutely. I am so excited to be here. Thank you so much. Likewise. Now, I admire your work so much because you married both my passions of dogs and our spiritual personal development journey. So before we get into how this energy connection works, because it's a lot, how this connection with self affects the connection between you and your dog, how did you get into this deep self-discovery work? Oh my gosh, that's a great question. It took me a long, long time before I was, uh, let's say, woken up to to the fact that I didn't like the kind of human being I was being. So my older brother passed away, and he was kind of like my hero, and so I grieved him very deeply. And what came out of that process was um, this awareness that I wasn't being the best person I could be at all. I wasn't even close. I didn't like who I was. And it started me on this incredible journey. And along the way, I had this amazing dog who was teaching me all these lessons that I wasn't able to see before. And that just tore it open. Like the universe just cracked open. And I was like, okay, kid in a candy store. (laughs) Well, not everybody can open up that I mean, I'm assuming it was a fast journey for you. It was pretty, it was quick, right? This this started for me March 18th, 28, 2017. 
and and I've just been on this amazing ride ever since. Now, don't mistake me. I've done an awful lot of work. It wasn't just a short period of time. I, I dove very hard into tearing apart the things that I didn't like about myself, and it, 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 uh, it's not easy. Oh, I don't expect it to be, so I applaud you for that hard work of looking within, Michael. So why does inner awareness play such a crucial role in how your dog will react or behave around you? <sighs> I mean, hence the illusion of whether they're a good dog or bad dog, which directly impacts the person's, person's decision, whether they keep them or return them. Oh man, that, that we had we need like six hours for that one. <laughs> I know that's loaded one. Sorry. So, oh no, that's fine. So, my take on this, my understanding. And first, let me say there are no bad dogs; they're just dogs, right? We're the ones who who create judgment and assign assign values to something that doesn't even need them. Our own awareness, our ability to manage our own energy, let's say dictates what that relationship is going to start out like and moving forward, what that relationship is going to be like. A lot of folks, they see the cute, fuzzy little puppy and they don't stop to think, am I actually ready for a puppy? Can I handle a puppy energy? Am, you know, is this puppy going to turn into a 170 pound beast later? <laughs> you know, We're so used to just this rapid gratification here that we don't stop to think. Yes. So I, I think that's a huge part of it. You know, I mean, I see cute puppies and I'm like, oh, yeah. Now I can stop and go, <laughs> oh, no, no. I know, I know those dogs. You know, that's awesome. But the thing is, like, the, the whole piece of inner awareness, it's such a broad term, I guess. How would you even, how would someone even begin to start that? Right. So for people who aren't so called awake, if you were to talk about this with them, they might come back with, oh, I don't know. I don't need to go on this journey. I treat my dog just fine. <laughs> what piece are they missing? They're not asking if they should even do it, I guess. So, mm. you know, people have very specific uh, desire traits in dogs sometimes. Sometimes it's just how they look. Sometimes it's the size. Sometimes it's the breed and hopefully a, a behavior that was trained into them. You know, we just really don't know. But they don't stop to ask why that dog. And this was slowing down just a little bit. Why do you like St. Bernard's? Why do you like German Shepherds? You know, why do gotcha. you want to bring that animal into your home? Is there something very specific for you there? Or just you think they're cool? Or, you know, you, you watch Beethoven or you've seen police dogs in action, whatever it is. There's something about that energy of that animal that resonates with that person on some level, but they don't they don't go any further than that a lot of times. Some do, yeah. but most don't. And so you get what we get. Yeah. We get a lot of dogs turned into shelters because the people don't know what to do with them. Yeah, exactly. And, I, and that goes with, um, what's that notion? The behavior of the owner, the dog tends to mimic. <laughs> what do you think about that? I mean- Well, I, even if it's not a, like a direct mirror, there's, there's a direct correlation between the human's behavior and the animal's behavior. I mean, they're, they're intrinsically tied together. How could For it not sure. be? It's a relationship. And that's another thing people don't take it as, you know, they buy a dog and they treat it as a toy or like they bought a, you know, they bought a new car or something. They're not toys. They're not cars. These are, you know, sentient beings. Like the relationship with your kids, you wouldn't just get rid of them because you're having a hard time with them, <laughs> but, but we do that with these animals and it's, it's quite fascinating. It is. It is. And touching on that whole mimicking, I have seen way more than once, several times of 
people that are on the anxious side and I do see their dogs also displaying anxiety. To me, that's like, where does it start? Did it start with the dog or did it start with the owner? Oh, oh, I can get into that one. So personally, I have a Belgian Shepherd and she's new to me since October. She was about two years old, came from a rescue. And I just had this incredible energetic attraction to this dog. I didn't go get her and I didn't go get her and I didn't go get her. I kept looking and kept looking. And then one day my partner said, Hey, let's go, let's go look at that dog you like so much over there. And the next thing I know, she's with me, right? She <laughs> brought her home that day. This dog has a bloodline of like highly trained canine. And mm. she is hyper vigilant, always on guard, right? All these things. And that does mimic me in some ways with the anxiety that I've dealt with in my life. Always on guard, hyper vigilant, trained in all these mm. martial arts. You know, I'm I'm not the short guy you want to pick on at the grocery store. So <laughs> okay. it's funny because we both had these things that we're working through. I've been working on mine and now we're working together on that to decrease the stimulation that gets her cranked up because she goes from zero to a hundred like that. Wow. That's a, a really good observation on your part, because if someone wasn't as aware as you are, they may have thought of it differently, that Absolutely. relationship. Yeah. Right. Yep. And I think that's an important piece here because if people are adopting dogs without really knowing the energy of that dog, what to expect, they bring him home, it doesn't work out, and then they return the dog to the shelter. Yeah. Now, if they were aware, how do you see the difference and how this would have played out? I think the awareness, just being aware, allows for some flexibility in the situation. So let's say you go to a shelter and you find this dog and she's just so dang sweet and she just wants to cuddle. Well, after you get her home for a couple of days, she settles in. She might not be so cute. She might be tearing up the couch <laughs> or you know, there's something else going on, but we don't stop to wonder what's going on. Like when you, with one of your kids, you say, hey, what's going on with you? With your dog, we don't ask that. We just get pissed. And <laughs> we don't try and figure out what may be causing this. So there's always an adjustment period. Think if you adopted a child, there'd be this huge adjustment period. So the fact that we have the inability to be patient when we bring this new creature being into our home really speaks to our, our inability to take care of ourselves. Right. That's true. And with your work, because your work is very niche, let's, let's get into that. How do dogs play a crucial role in someone's personal development journey? Because uh, that's your expertise and both sides need to be spoken about. Oh, God, I love this. God, I love this so much. It's so fantastic. <laughs> um, oh, no, I, I feel lucky. I feel lucky as hell to, to have come upon this. So, so what, in, in my view, you know, I, the guys I work with, they have this incredible bond with their dog, right? They love their freaking dog. <laughs> they're, yes. they're not so awesome with other personal relationships, especially with the opposite sex. And it, they just don't know why. So the dog is the key to accessing parts of these guys that they don't show other people. They don't mm. allow their, their spouse, their partner, their mother, their friends to see this side of them. They keep it guarded, but they let their guard down when they're with their dog. Right. Um, so this little vulnerability thing that guys don't let anybody else see because we're not supposed to, because as a guy, that means death. This is the key that dog helps me get in and access parts of these guys. And, you know, once you show them that and they understand that and they feel safe and, you know, just with me, we're not broadcasting out to anybody. 
they feel safe just opening a tiny bit and then a tiny bit more and then a tiny bit more. Before you know it, they're going, oh my God, I can't believe that I've been doing this all these years. So it's a complete transformation. Huge. And not everybody's the same, right? Not everybody's the same. So they're not going to get the same level of transformation in the same period of time, but that's okay, right? It took me you know, almost 50 years to wake my butt up. And yeah, so I don't know. It's just incredible. I find that so fascinating. And it's because it's a full circle when it comes to these dogs that are coming into our lives. And for the folks that are maybe having something to learn and they adopt a dog, some of them may very well awaken to what that lesson was because of the dog. So I like that it comes back full circle. Absolutely. And I think they're always trying to communicate with us. You know, most of us just don't know how to speak dog and we're not all mind readers, right? I I think that level of communication does exist, but most of us are are not able to tap into that. And that's okay. But we we don't even know our, our dog's body language. Most people don't understand it. You know, we don't pick up on these tiny little subtle cues and they're masters at that. What are some common examples? If your dog has a tail, there are many positions that tail gets held in depending on what's going on for the dog at the time. But we don't even look, we don't pay, oh, they're wagging their tail. Yeah, sometimes they're wagging their tail, but it's not always a good sign. So maybe there's a homework assignment for somebody. Find out what's going on when your dog's wagging their tail. What are they really feeling? Oh, so (laughs) ignorant me here. So when dogs wag their tail, sometimes it's not a good sign is what I'm hearing. Yeah, sometimes it's, it's kind of a, you know, okay, I see you. I'm trying to be nice, but you're making me uncomfortable. Sometimes they're just mm-hmm. out, outright stoked to see you. How high is the tail? Is it down and wagging? Is it up and wagging? Is it mid-level wagging? How fast is it wagging? Somebody has done a lot of observations on this. Somebody much more patient than I am, but it's fantastic. There's all kinds of information. People do, they pay more attention to horses. Like when they, you know, when they pin their ears back, they, they know what that means, right? So, but our dogs are constantly giving little signals, not just when the hackles go up. Oh, yes. That I pay attention to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is it just, a, is it the short hack? Is it the long hack? Full withers? What's going on there? <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, we're, we're just going to have a quick break. And when we get back, we will continue talking with Michael about the importance of self-awareness and self-discovery when it comes to the relationship with your canine. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. Molly, here's your dinner. (coughs) Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your cat tree tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Save a Pooch. We are talking with Michael Overly, an energy healer 
canine partnered energy coach and author. I just wanted to touch upon your title, canine partnered energy coach. I have not seen that anywhere. I find that very creative. <laughs> Tell us how you came up with that name. Well, I partially stole it. <laughs> <laughs> From so, somebody else. <laughs> yeah. So I've got a colleague that does amazing work with horses and goats. I kid you not. She is freaking fantastic. And she is an equine partnered coach. She does some really super deep work and she works mostly with women. And yeah, I love that. I'm like, well, if she's an equine partnered coach and I can be a canine partnered coach. And I'm very much about energy. And she has a lot, she's actually a psychotherapist. She has other tools in her in her toolkit that I don't have. And I'm like, well, but I'm big, I'm, I'm all about the energy. And I witnessed my own dog giving me energy healing as well as other people. I'm like, okay, there you go. That's my partner. <laughs> That's awesome. And <laughs> you also have a book. Tell us yeah. about that. Yeah, I wrote a book. It's it's an introduction to guys to start to look at things a different way. It came out of years of journaling, and I, I put this thing together in, in a in a short kind of a short clip format. Like the chapters are all small, easy to digest with questions, and just, it's meant to make you just kind of go, "Huh, I wonder if." We don't ask if how we're living is, is actually a good way to be living. And guys, we don't get a lot of training as we grow up on how to actually show up in the world except to be angry, tough, and try and make a million dollars. That's awesome. You are going to help men <laughs> pretty much get more women. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the goal, the actual goal, as far as I see it, is to help others learn to love themselves. Yes. And, and yes. from that space, you can do anything you want. You Absolutely. Can you can accomplish anything. And if a goal you have is to and find a love of your life, then you just might find one then. Yes. I love that. And I love the results that your work will provide. I completely agree with the change of vibration will give a completely different lifestyle. So let's get back into how your work would tie up into the rescue dog world. Now, what tips do you have for adopters when both the adopters and the dog are acclimating to one another in the beginning? And I think that's probably the most important stage when you're adopting because that's when you kind of make these judgment calls and labels if this dog is a fit for you. There's only so much the rescue organizations can do to prepare. I know mm -hmm. there's a lot that they try to make it so that it's the perfect fit beforehand, but you know, it's not until you really take them home. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, and my hat's off to the rescue organizations. My God, those people work so hard and they love these animals so much. It's, it's just crazy. Yeah. So before you go get the dog, See if you can soften yourself just a little bit. We create these expectations and I'm guilty of this myself because I've, I've worked with a lot of dogs, trained dogs, and I get this, you know, ooh, me, mighty human, trained dog, no problem. And I'm not, if I'm in that mind space, I'm not even giving the dog a chance. So soften yourself a little bit and decrease your expectations and just try extreme patience. So one of the things I coach my guys on is and if they've got a newer animal, is to do a no command walk. Don't say a word. I mean, unless there's an emergency, get your dog out for like a half hour walk. Let them do what they want. If you, they pull you, they pull you. If they stop and sniff for 20 minutes, they stop and sniff for 20 minutes. 
but just give them the space. We don't give ourselves space to heal. We need to give these animals a break. So extreme patience and softening your energy, I think, are key in the beginning. It's a very insightful advice because it goes against the conventional suggestions out there, right? Yeah. And you know, I'm aligned with a lot of rescue people, rescue organizations, high-level trainers, and some are very Zen-like, some are um, like cognitive behavioral therapy types. And there's still a prevalence of, I need to control. And, um, and I've, I've tried that route. And in some instances, you do need to take over a little bit. But if you can't give this other being a break, give them space get, and respect, we don't, it's another thing. We think me, mighty human, we don't respect the animals. We don't even stop to imagine what they've gone through. We get caught up in stories they don't, but still there's an energetic resonance from what they've had in their life. So yeah, showing a little respect goes a long way. That's awesome. And for those adopters weighing the option of returning their rescue dog to the shelter, what advice would you have for them? Give yourself a break. I know you're stressed. I know it's hard. Like maybe, maybe soften yourself a little bit and say, okay, what did I not try? Who am I actually giving up on here? Am I giving up on myself or am I giving up on this animal? So mm-hmm. yeah, g- give yourself a break because it's not easy. You know, there's some animals that they're not going to be well, let's say, but can you still provide them a, a safe, quiet place to live? Right. Exactly. Exactly. And there's, it brings me a memory that I will always regret. It was when I was younger and my dad uh, brought home a poodle from the rescue and that poodle would just stay in the, in our laundry room and would come out and peek. And as soon as it saw me look its way, it would run back towards the laundry room. Within a week, my dad returned the dog, but yeah, I was young. So I, I had no idea what was happening, but if it was me now, it would be completely different. That dog needed some serious healing and yeah. patience. So I'm glad that you, you mentioned that. Yeah. We tend to make eye contact a lot. And a lot of people don't understand the impact that has on a dog, especially a dog who's scared or stressed. So when, when first meeting an animal, we tend to lean over the animal like we do with a kid. We want to pick them up or whatever. That can be quite intimidating. And people don't read, that's another, they don't read the signal. If the dog starts to yawn, if the, if the ears start to pin back, you bet just back off the animal, just step away from the dog and give them some space. You're encroaching, you've passed that threshold of their comfort. So be super patient when you're meeting a dog who's showing any signs of stress. Maybe just sit outside the kennel with your back turned to them, no eye contact, and just sit there for five, 10 minutes. If they come up and sniff you, they're giving you a little permission. Yes, that is a good point because a lot of people would just be leaning in, taking a look at the dog and getting all excited Yeah, <laughs> when I was younger. Now for the rescue organization staff, what advice would you have for them so that they can kind of um, align their energy to relax the dogs? <sighs> yeah. Again, some of that is similar. They're in a stressful place. A lot of them see a lot of animals put down. That's hard. Yeah. You know, they, there's, there's, that's death, right? That's, that's not a place that we're, that we're, most of us are trained well to handle. So um, first of all, congratulate yourself. Give yourself a little love, a hug, whatever. And thank you for the compassionate work you're doing. It does make a difference. Just know that. Second, see what you can do before you even walk into the shelter that day and just soften yourself a little bit. You know, remind you, remind yourself why you started it in the first place. We tend to get stressed over time. And, and just remember, if you help one dog once, it's worth it. 
yeah, I can imagine the it's stress on both sides. Yeah. And I just wish there was just something that could just wipe it out <laughs> for a second, right? Wouldn't but, that be nice? Magic wand. Yeah, absolutely. The energetic magic wand. <laughs> well, Michael, thank you so much. We are out of time. I really appreciate you coming on today. And thanks to our show producer, Mark Winter, for making this show possible. Well, you can view Michael's work at dogsandmen.com. The show page will also have all of his links. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for the show, please email me at beverly at petliferadio.com. So until next time, spread animal compassion. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.